tonight we're going to talk about um, baptism. So for the next next two sessions, what we're looking at is um, I almost did them together, and we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit together. But but I decided it'd probably be best to go ahead and separate them. But we're going to talk about the ordinances or what some people call um, sacraments, and and uh, um, we'll explain a little bit more about that probably as we go along. Um, even the the distinction there. Some people make a big distinction in those two terms. Some people don't. But anyway, um, so um, first of all, what are the the two ordinances? And like I say, we'll take one tonight and one next week. Anybody want to answer that? Baptism and the Lord's Supper, both both of which were uh, commanded uh, by Jesus, and so believers ob- observe um, baptism, of course, being a uh, and again, that's what we're going to address tonight. But baptism being a one-time event, at least supposed to be, <laughs> and um, the Lord's Supper being an, uh, uh, something that we observe on a regular basis. Um, so it's a, it's something we do throughout our Christian life. Where baptism is up front initially, um, the Lord's Supper we do th- throughout our Christian life. All right. So let me let me just start with uh, uh, asking for a little little. Uh, Testimony. Somebody, somebody tell me um, why you were baptized. Buried in his death. Raised with him to newness of life. All right, so you were baptized to, to demonstrate that. Or uh, like we say often at times, it's a, uh, an outward sign of something that has taken place inwardly, right? Or, or, or a spiritual reality. It's a physical um, ceremony or rite that... that uh, represents a uh, spiritual reality. Anybody else? In obedience to the Lord. Amen. That's great. And, and you know, if you were, you were baptized when the first time? 10, 11. Okay. Yeah. And we might talk about that a little bit, but I'll just, a lot, what, what a lot of people would say was, well, you know, you didn't need to be rebaptized if you were baptized initially. My experience was like yours. Um, uh, well, f- similar. Leslie's was probably just like yours. Um, mine was, since I, since I started out in the, the Methodist Church, uh, United Methodist Church, um, originally I was sprinkled, and um, I don't, I'm not sure why I wasn't, as far as I know, I was never christened as a baby. Now, if I was, uh, you know, I don't recall it, but, but, uh, <laughs> but I don't remember my mother ever saying that, and they, they, they do that, so if, if she didn't do that, I, I'm not sure why. I, what I remember was going through confirmation class at probably about the age of 12, and at the end of uh, confirmation class, uh, that's, that's what they would do. You know, the class would last however, you know, you meet for so many weeks or whatever, and they take you through different things, which I don't even recall any of that. But, but all, all they were really trying to do is make sure that you really know the Lord or, or you know, teach you... Um, Make sure you, you've got a handle on what, what it means to follow Christ. And then at the end of that process, they would baptize you. Well, as I said, you know, they, they sprinkle me. One, one cool thing about that, I guess, my, my pastor had, not that it, you know, it doesn't earn me any points, but, but my pastor had just taken a trip to Israel. And he had brought, unless he made this whole story up, now that's another possibility, but, but he, had, he had just taken a trip to Israel and he brought back with him water from the Jordan River. So he baptized me using, or sprinkled me using water from the Jordan River. Um, so 
I guess that makes you twice as as, uh, as holy or twice as saved or something. I don't know. But, huh? <laughs> it didn't work. No, no, it didn't. And so, so years later, when uh, similar to what Miss Linda was saying, when when the Lord actually saved us, um, we were in the Methodist Church at that time because that's where Leslie and I started out. Uh, after, you know, we we well, that's where we met. As a matter of fact. At a Methodist church, the one we, the one that we uh, continued to go to, for probably about a year after we we came to the Lord. But anyway, I went to the pastor because I just like you, I got you know convicted. <clears throat> Except with this one difference, I wasn't um, immersed the first time, just sprinkled. And so I'm I'm studying the Scripture now, and I'm 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 seeing two things. One, I need to be immersed, and two. Um, you know, I was just thinking, even if that, even if I had been immersed the first time, uh, you know, I knew that I, it didn't have any real meaning to me. So, so now I had come to Christ, and I wanted to be baptized in obedience to Christ. So I went to my pastor's Methodist church, and we had a good relationship. I mean, he was a good, good guy, guy that married uh, uh, Leslie and me. And um, I, but, but I explained the whole deal to him, and he said. Uh, You've already been baptized, and and you know and he began to explain you know you don't you don't you need to be rebaptized. I mean you maybe it maybe it wasn't you weren't genuine the first time, but your baptism is good you know. And now the faith that you have now, and a lot of people hold this position, um, Presbyterians for example, uh, Anglicans. Now that that you have faith now, it kind of has like a retro effect. It it it, uh, it validates your baptism back then um and so and one way they explain that is to liken it to you know jews in the old covenant men had to be circumcised when you know the babies had to be circumcised when they were eight days old that didn't mean they were saved but it 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 was a a mark that was supposed to represent the fact like paula was talking about supposed to represent the fact um, that they were saved that they knew god so later if they really did have genuine faith then it was kind of like the circumcision was validated, and if they did, if they never had genuine faith, then the circumcision, you know, uh, was was uh, didn't didn't avail anything really. Um, so that's that's how they explain you know, their view of baptism. They say, well, you know, you don't need to be rebaptized, but uh, I insisted, and uh, but you know, except I didn't want to try to force him into it, I guess. And so we had been visiting another church in Elm Grove where we were living at the time. Uh, little charismatic church <clears throat> down there, and I went to the pastor there um, and told him the whole situation and asked him if he would baptize me, and he said absolutely, you know. <laughs> so, so we uh, they didn't have a baptistry. We had to go to Elm Grove Baptist Church and borrow their baptistry, and uh, I was baptized there. And then later, I don't rem- remember how long later. It doesn't seem like it was very long. But kind of the same thing happened with Leslie. You know, she had been, she had been immersed before, um, just prior to going in the Air Force when she was probably 18 or 19 years old. She had made a profession of faith and at a church in New Jersey and uh, was baptized. But at any rate, uh, she wanted to be um, rebaptized as well because she, she felt like you know, like like you did that the first time just didn't really have the meaning that it should have. So I got to baptize uh, Leslie, um, whenever that was. I don't remember. Probably 
88, something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. It was somewhere around in there. I don't, I don't remember precisely, but it was somewhere around in there. But a friend of mine, a, co- a co-worker of mine, you know what? It was, I do know, because uh, John Barrett was baptized same day, right? Okay, that was, that was in 89. Yeah, it was in 89, because that's when he and I were working together. So got to baptize him. He was a black belt, and had, I baptized him in his karate gi. That was pretty cool. But uh, gi is the outfit, you know. Because <laughs> so, that's a, what he had to get wet in. So he was okay to get wet in. So that's what we used, uh, what he used. So at any rate, um, that happens a lot of times, when, when, especially with people that grow up in church, you know, and, they, and, they, and they're baptized at some point. And then they, you know, but they never were genuinely born again. So then later they, they get convicted about that. And then, um, you know, when, when there's actual conversion, they come to Christ. Then they get convicted about that. And they want to be baptized because they feel like the first one um, just, just didn't have the significance that it should have had. I, I think that's, and like I said, a lot of people would argue against that. But I think that's the way, it, that's the order in the Scripture. You come to faith, then you're baptized. All right, so um, baptism is, and I'm, I've already kind of touched on this. I want to talk about a couple things here. Um, first, the, the proper understanding of baptism. I, I'm going to give you a little bit of background here too because sometimes I know this is the way I thought for a long time. I thought that it, it just, uh, baptism just suddenly appeared in, in, in the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But there actually was Old Testament um, baptism um, uh, even of some sort, even in the scripture, you know, they would do um, cleansing, bathing, you know, like the, the priest would do before they would go and minister in the in the uh, tabernacle, and that was the idea there. You know, they weren't trying to kill uh, uh, microorganisms, you know, on their body. Uh, they they were they were it was a ceremonial thing where they where they were trying to to be cleansed, and so it pictured again what was supposed to be taking place on the inside their heart being cleansed before God. But later, uh, during what, what we call the intertestamental period, which is between Malachi and Matthew, uh, you know, between uh, the, prophet, the, the time period between the prophet Malachi and then John the Baptist coming on the scene, um, during that period, a practice emerged, like I say, you won't find this in the Old Testament, but this is just a fact of history. Um, during that period, a, a practice emerged where they would baptize Gentiles when they converted to Judaism. So that's, that's known as proselyte baptism, and that was a common practice in the, in the first century. So it, it signified um, repentance, you know, they're, they're, com- they're repenting, turning to the true God. So they would, uh, if, a, if a Gentile wanted to convert to Judaism, you know, they would have to be baptized because they were considered unclean, right? Gentiles were considered unclean. And so, again, it was a ceremonial uh, washing to, to signify their cleansing as they came to faith in the true and living God. Now, one reason I wanted to, to point this out is because that, that practice was far, obviously, um, Gentiles, Gentiles who are considered unclean, dogs, <laughs> you know, the, 
kind of the scum of the earth type thing. Any any non-Jews. And so if they if they were going to serve the true and living God, they had to be cleansed. And, and that proselyte baptism was a um, ceremony or rite, R-I-T-E, uh, to represent that cleansing. Now, what I was about to say a second ago, one reason I, I point that out is because this is, this is one reason the... The Jews are so shocked and scandalized, really. Uh, many of them were scandalized when John the Baptist comes on the scene baptizing not Gentiles, but Jews. He's, he's commanding the Jews to be baptized. Repent and be baptized and bring forth fruits worthy of repentance, you know, he says. So, and he's saying that again. His target audience is not is not Gentiles, but Jews. And so, many of them were scandalized by that. You know, thinking, what what need do we have to be baptized? You know, we're already we're the seed of Abraham. Uh, we're clean. We already serve the true God, the living God. And of course, what John the Baptist was doing in fulfillment of his uh, ministry was preparing the way for the Messiah, who is about to come on the scene. And they were not clean, and they were not ready, um, because just like we were saying a moment ago, bad, water doesn't save you in baptism. Well, neither neither does ethnicity. And so the fact that they were Jews um, did not guarantee them um, salvation. And they had to repent and believe. You know, serve the living God, and in this case, had believe on the Messiah. So John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he's and he's preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and uh, and he's baptizing, baptizing. Then comes, of course, Jesus, and Jesus comes baptizing, or at least his disciples do. There's, there's even even there, there's a difference, a uh, little difference between the baptism of John which is like a preparatory, you know, a bapti- it's a baptism unto repentance um, in preparation for the Messiah. But when you get over in, into the, the book of Acts, for example, and the, and the apostles are baptizing like we've been reading about these last few weeks, there it, it, it is now the, the, one of the marks of the, the new covenant. It, it is an identification with Christ, with Jesus as Lord and Savior. So... Let me go back to, uh, uh, in terms of the meaning, let me go back to what, uh, kind of what Paul and Bob were saying a minute ago. It is, it is a sign, and I emphasize the word a. Baptism is a sign. Now, I'll come back to that in a second, a, but what, what, is, what is a sign? What does a sign do? What is the purpose in a sign? To, to represent something or to point, declare, Point the way, or signify, right? Same root word. So a sign signifies something or points to something. And, uh, I, you know, I used, uh, I used this illustration before. We were t- talking about one of our trips through uh, Arkansas <clears throat> where I was really having a time um, pulling this load that I was pulling. And, and uh, we, we come up, you know, we took the scenic route. <laughs> Because <laughs> we wanted to see the scenic route, but whew, that was work. 
and and you know we, we we're driving driving and the curves are really bad and the hills are really steep and my trailer brakes were not really good you know I mean and and you can smell the brakes burning and and I'm I'm, lit I'm literally driving with uh, you know the trailer brakes have a have a hand uh, lever the ones I had electric electric so I I have one hand on that and I've got one foot pumping my my van brakes and and thinking whoo I hope we get out of this soon. And we came up on a sign that said, steep and curvy, next 68 miles. <laughs> and it wasn't lying. <laughs> I blew a transmission on that trip. Um, but that sign, um, you know, wasn't there to, you know, it, it was there to warn us, to tell us, or, or like y'all said, to point to a reality. All right? So that's, that's how it would relate here. It's signifying a reality. So baptism uh, is a sign that signifies um, a spiritual reality. It signifies uh, a relationship. It's a mar It's a mark, or you know, uh, of, a, of a relationship. It's a. It's an identification. When we go, matter of fact, the, in the New Testament, this this uh, Paul uses this uh, draws this correlation. When when the children of Israel followed Moses, they were they were identifying with Moses, right? And and as Moses brings them out of Israel, and there's kind of a analogy there of, of our coming out of sin. And as Moses brings them out of Israel and gives them the law, they're identifying leaving Israel uh, Egypt behind and identifying with Moses. And so what do they do? They have to. Paul says they they are baptized in the sea. And in the cloud. So they had to go through the Red Sea. Now, I know they didn't get their feet wet or anything like that because God parted the waters. But there's a picture there uh, that is similar to, to Christian baptism. They had to go through the sea and through the cloud. And in, in all of that, they are baptized uh, into Moses. Uh, there's, there's an identification with him. Well... We are our baptism, water baptism, Christian baptism is a is a mark of identity. We we are we are identifying with Jesus Christ as Lord and with with the whole body, the church, um, when when we are baptized. But I said a moment ago, I'm, and I was putting a little emphasis on the word a there. When I was talking a few minutes ago about, uh, for example, Presbyterians or Anglicans and and um, how they teach that um, you you should you should baptize infants, and and if they come to faith later, uh, and well, let me back up just a second. Some of them do actually teach what Bob was talking about. They, they in fact, the Roman Catholics teach this that the, that the, the the baptism itself is there's is efficacious. That is, the very act of being baptized has an effect, all right? So, a saving effect. But they don't all teach that. Some, some of them just say, no, it is a, it is a sign, um, but it's, it's a valid sign for not only for believers, but for the children of believers, just like circumcision was. In fact, they, they say it is the sign of the new covenant. And it replaces circumcision, which was the sign of the old covenant. And you know, then they say logically, you know, every child should be baptized, 
just like all the male children in the Old Testament were circumcised. They didn't all come to faith then. They didn't all wind up serving God. They weren't all saved, but they were all circumcised. And they, they, they use that logic and say, every child of every believer should be baptized. And then later, if they come to faith, their baptism is valid. Uh, you know, there's no need to be rebaptized, like my pastor uh, tried to tell me. Their baptism is valid at the point of their coming to faith. And uh, it's, it serves as a sign of the promise, promises of God's salvation. All right? So that's why I put emphasis on the word A, because I do not believe it is the sign, the way that they, they would describe that. I think it is a sign. Mm-hmm. You, you, they become, yes, they become members of the covenant community, yeah. In fact, that's a big reason they do it, because they want to identify them with the covenant community. And and uh, in, in that sense, um, we agree, even though you know our timing is different and our mode is different and haven't got to that yet, but our mode is different and, and our, uh, our, our thinking behind it is, in other words, when should it be done, that's different. But we do agree that it, it is um, also marking you know, your, your entrance into the covenant community. So they, they would say, and that's a great thing to bring up because that's another part of their, their whole um, view on it is that those children are part, and we're talking infants, for example, they are part of the covenant community. Well, I, I think that's, that's problematic because, again, as, as Bob was saying earlier, what we find in the Scripture is that um, you have to make a profession of faith. You know, you have to come. I mean, if if you're capable of doing that, if you're if you have the the, the 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 mental capacity to do that, and I say that because I realize that some people don't. You know, there there are people that um, don't have that capacity. But if you have the capacity to do that, um, you you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to make a profession, a credible f- profession of faith, and then you're baptized uh, as a result of that. Uh, and that that signifies again your identification with Christ and your uh, identification with the body. So now you're now, um, as you said, part of the covenant community. But yes, they do see it as as um, as as your in, as salvation is occurring when you're baptized. But you still let, let me let me. Here's what I was going to say a second ago. A lot of times we say about, let's take the Roman Catholics for a minute since we're talking about them. A lot of times we might say, or you hear people say, you know, we believe in salvation by grace through faith. They don't. Well, that's not true. Um, They do. Where the distinction is, is we believe in salvation by grace through faith alone. Now, they don't believe that, um, all right? So, I'm trying to use this to answer, to answer your question, because they would say, yes, you're, you know, you're baptized as an infant. That, that, that is your entrance into the covenant community, but you still have to exercise faith at some point down the road. Yeah, with them, it's a combination. So, so you, you participate in the sacraments, and you have to have faith. And, and it's, it's the two, you know. With us, um, it's, it's, it's by, by grace alone, 
through faith alone. Yes, we participate, and, and there's a difference in how we view the sacraments also, but, but um, the ordinances we're talking about here, baptism and the Lord's Supper, yes, we participate in them as an act of obedience to Jesus um, and to do what he said to do. And, you know, again, the baptism being a sign of... Um, a sign of, of identification with Christ and God's people and a sign of the spiritual reality that we've been buried with Him in baptism, in, you know, that we've been buried with, uh, uh, baptized into Christ's death, that is, we died with Him, the old man died with Christ, and raised to newness of life. And then the Lord's Supper, you know, the Lord told us to do this, and doing it, we, we, uh, we show His death until He comes, and we do it in remembrance of Him. So we do those things as, as, uh, in, in obedience to Him, and um, just like, uh, uh, let's see, how can I say this? There, there are benefits uh, in, in doing them, but we don't believe that they save. There, there's no saving efficacy. There's no saving power in the act of baptism or in the act of partaking of the Lord's Supper. Christ saves. All right, so, so the... Uh, the Baptistic view is essentially that it's an outward physical sign pointing to a spiritual reality. A lot of people use the term symbol. You know, it's a symbol. It's symbolic of a spiritual reality, which I'm fine with that. I just don't want to overdo that too much, and I'll try to explain that more when we get to the, uh, the Lord's Supper. But, but, uh, but So it's, a, it's an outward physical sign pointing to or symbolic of a spiritual reality. Uh, but again, I would say, like I was saying a moment ago, it's not the sign of the new covenant. It's a sign of the new covenant. I think if you were going to put that, use that definite, definite article and talk about the sign of the new covenant, in other words, what is the sign that you're actually in the covenant, that you're actually safe, I would say it is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that seems to me to be what the, the teaching of the Scripture, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, self-control. Um, it's the Holy Spirit in us. Or John, you know, I mentioned the other day, John says in 1 John, we know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And then he says, we love because He first loved us. So there's this, the sign, I would say, the sign of the new covenant is the the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is, in fact, look at Colossians two. <clears throat> I think that's. I really think that's what is is being talked about here. Colossians two. Verse eleven. Look at verse eleven. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Notice that. So, so here he's already talking about physical versus spiritual, um, a, a physical reality versus the spiritual reality that that physical thing refers to or is a sign of. So he says, you, were, you have been um, circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith 
in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you. All right, now they actually um, use this passage to, to, to prove, you know, that baptism replaces physical circumcision. Circumcision was the sign of the Old Covenant. Baptism is the sign of the New Covenant. And this is one of the passages that they will go to, uh, really, I guess the primary one. Um, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. Now, Now they're saying, in other words, this is like, verse 12 is like explanatory. So when, when Paul says the circumcision of Christ, he explains that by re- referring to baptism. The circumcision of Christ would be, that is the circumcision made without hands, would be um, being buried with him in baptism and then raised with him. Well, I, 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 I would say that Verse 12 is not explanatory. It's, it, it's, it's um, something else. In other words, he's saying, you've been circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, referring to the spiritual reality, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So kind of take that as one statement right there. That he's referring to the, the spiritual reality of our being cleansed in Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism. Now I think he's talking about um, uh, our, our identification with Christ in baptism, but, but, uh, but not, not saying that as explaining what circumcision of Christ is. Am I making sense? Trying, trying, trying to not be too confusing here. Um, so he goes on to say, You were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith. Through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you. Okay, so um, there's a big difference there in in, uh, what is commonly called covenantal theology, which is, you know, as I said, held uh, Presbyterian groups and and, uh, Anglicans and so forth. Let me give you a couple of passages here. In, in Romans 2.29, for example, Paul says, 2.28, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. Now, he's not saying there, you know, you go back to verse 28, no one is a Jew is who is a Jew is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. There he, say, he puts negatively, nor is circumcision outward and physical. And you say, wait a minute, circumcision is outward, circumcision is physical. Yeah, he, he, he's not denying that. And, and the, the old covenant sign was outward. In fact, that's his point. It was outward and physical. But, but what he's talking about here is the spiritual reality that it points to. And he's saying what really marks a true Jew, the true mark of a true Jew, or you could say a, the true mark of a true child of Abraham is not the outward and physical sign, circumcision, but it is, verse 29, circumcision of the heart. 
by the Spirit, not by the letter. By the letter of the Old Testament law, they had to circumcise the male child on the eighth day. All right, that was part of the law. Paul's saying, that's not, that's not what saves. What does is the circumcision of the heart by the Spirit. That's the true circumcision that the Old Covenant circumcision pointed to. That was a sign pointing to a spiritual reality. Baptism, I would say, likewise, is a sign pointing to a spiritual reality. And it's similar. And both of them um, have this uh, cleansing aspect, circumcision and baptism. Baptism is, you know, the idea is cleansing. Um, But it's pointing to um, circumcision um, or cleansing of the heart. In Philippians 3.3, Paul says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And and what what he's um, correcting there is people having confidence in the flesh, meaning um, that that they put confidence in the fact that they are physically circumcised Again, just like the you know the Jews of old would do, that well we've we've kept the letter of law, we've been physically circumcised, we're marked, therefore we belong to God. That's what Paul's teaching against there. He's saying no, um, we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God. We worship in spirit, right? Spirit and truth, um, and we have no confidence in the flesh. Not what? Yeah. Uh, but I do want to be clear now. Some, some uh, like the Roman Catholics, teach baptismal regeneration. In other words, that's what actually say, it actually saves. Um, and the, like with conservative Presbyterians, they're not saying that. And in fact, they'll tell you quick, no, 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 it doesn't save you. So, so I do want to be clear, you know. Uh, not, not, you know, not, not. Be clear that I'm not falsely accusing them of that. And, and in Angl- uh, in the uh, Anglican Church, Episcopal Church, I mean, you've got both camps. You've got you've got some that believe in baptismal regeneration, uh, like the Roman Catholics do, similar. And then you've got some who would say, like uh, like J.I. Packer, uh, for example, good Anglican, uh, would say, um, no, that doesn't save you. Um, you're saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, but they still um, understand it to be the mark of the covenant, so they think that children ought to have it as a sign of God's promises that, that you hope they will cling to by faith later down the line. Okay, um, two things, I'll try to... Yeah, we're about out of time. I'll try to be quick here, though. Pro- proper mode, I, again, as I, I, well, I really already talked about that, but I would say it's immersion. That's, and, and, you know, pretty much nobody disputes that that's what the term means. Baptizo, the Greek word baptizo, or the noun, um, baptisma. Um, it, it means, you know, immer- to be immersed, to, uh, like, to be, like to be covered, to be, and, and pretty much everybody um, agrees with that as far as just what the word means. But then they say, but, you know, it, it's, it's still just used like a metaphor or whatever. And 
Um, I, I, I do want to do this before we close. We were looking at Acts 8 a couple weeks ago where Philip's dealing with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8 and let's see, verse 38. This is where the eunuch wanted to be baptized. Verse 38 says, He commanded the chariot to stop and they, they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him and when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch saw him no more. Now, look, look at Luke's... Um, terminology there verse 38 and he commanded the chariot to stop and they both that is philip and the eunuch went down into the water verse 38:9. and when they came up out of the water that did not happen with me when they you know sprinkled that little bit of jordan river water on my head neither the pastor nor you know, me, went down into or came up out of. Um, and then in the Gospels, I think it's in, in Mark 1, where it says they were, uh, John was baptizing in a particular region because there was much water there. And then um, G- when Jesus is baptized, it uses similar language to here, what we're seeing here about him coming up out of the water uh, after he's baptized. All that's hard to do, you know, if you're just sprinkling a little water on your head. Now, I know uh, some, some writers, uh, John Stott, for example, um, says, well, you know, like with Philip and the eunuch, it's, it's, it's obvious that they, they, uh, they went, both of them went down into the water, but probably when they were in the water, um, you know, Philip just took something like a container and just poured it over the eunuch's head, uh, which that's also been another common form of baptism in church history. But... but uh, <laughs> But uh, why not, you know, I mean, just see, if the word baptizo means immersion and they're looking for lots of water and they go down in and they come up out of, I'm thinking they were immersed, okay? I mean, we don't have it on video, but... So I, I would say the, 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 the proper, the scriptural mode, it's the only one you find in scripture, is, is um, immersion. Um, and the, and the last point here, the proper application. In other words, who do we baptize? And Bob said it earlier, um, and we've alluded to it several times. Who, who do we baptize? People who have made um, a, a credible profession of faith. And I, and I use the term credible there because I do think we, we as the church have the responsibility to, as far as we can, uh, determine that it is credible. Just generally speaking... Um, now I have, like like out at the prison, I have baptized folks out at the prison um, that uh, you know I have no way of of, of you know, I had no way really of going into detail with them before it took place or following up on them after it took place. But but that's precisely why I did it. In other words, to me that's a unique. Um, it's kind of like with Philip and the eunuch here. Uh, I think that's a, the, a, a unique situation, and and so I just kind of have to you know. They're making a profession, you know, trust the Lord, take them at face value and baptize them. But if, if I'm in the position to where I can um, um, have some dialogue, then that's what I'm going to do. Like if somebody comes here and says, I'd like to be baptized, we're going to say, well, let's talk about it a while. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. Every, I mean, every Christian needs to be baptized because it's commanded.
You know, the, the Lord, the Lord said that we were to be baptized. Go, go. He says in Matthew 28, um, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. I mean, that that's the next step after profession. When somebody professes Christ, then they need to follow up by being baptized uh, in obedience to Christ. Because for all the reasons we've just been talking about tonight, because it is. A, a sign of what uh, of a spiritual reality that is taking place. You know, they, they've been they've been saved by the power of God, uh, and and it is an identification. In fact, I would say it is the public profession, like like in Romans when Paul talks about um, con- confessing with the mouth. You know, that's the way that we initially that we that we make our public profession uh, that Christ is our Lord. We do that through baptism. Uh, you know, by, by being baptized in obedience to Christ and identifying with Christ and with His body. Amen. Amen. And, you know, and that's the way it is. I mean, Linda would probably identify with that. I do. And in other words, I, I knew that Jesus said do it. I need to do it. I, di- I didn't, I don't think I could have given you some good theological uh, reasons, you know, about how it all works out. I just, I just... I saw in the Bible that that's what we're supposed to do. What, you know, you, you, you come to faith in Christ, you're saved, you need to be baptized. And so, so I wanted to be baptized. All right. Well, let's, let's pray and we'll dismiss. Father, again, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the, uh, allowing us to be able to um, handle these, uh, these topics, these precious truths. And, Lord, we pray, uh, grow us in, in the knowledge of these things and in your grace. And, Lord, help us to see uh, what wonderful things you have done in our behalf uh, for us and to us, and Lord, um, and continue to do and, and will through eternity. And Lord, may we forever praise you and may you receive all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.